here we are, afternoon, first full day. Really experiencing these bodies. You know, it's easy to be out in the world and almost completely forget that we even have bodies attached to these heads. We're sort of thinking beings, floating heads. And then every once in a while when we're in some kind of pain or pleasure, we remember that we have a body. Some people better at it than than others. This isn't across the board. But, um, you know, we we do a lot of living in our minds. And so here we are suddenly slowing down, stopping, putting down all of our mental objects of, of fascination and our toys and our jobs, all the things that keep us living in our heads. And we get acquainted with these flesh suits, right? I mean, there's so many nerve endings, so many zones of both pleasure and pain. And when we really stop, sometimes we feel them for the first time. I still, to this day, after almost 20 days of sitting, my first few days of retreats feel like I have bugs crawling all over my skin. And it's probably a sensation that's always there because I think there really are little things crawling all over us all the time. But I, I don't notice them because I'm moving and I'm busy. And, but sitting still, I suddenly really notice these sensations on my skin. Or I might even notice a swaying in my body. So here we are after lunch. Who feels sleepy? Only one person. <laughs> Who feels hot? You know, these very direct, very direct, simple, human sensations. There's nothing that complicated about being sleepy or about being hot. Or really even about being sad or afraid or happy. But there's a way that when we really slow down and come into contact with what that feels like in our bodies that can sometimes set off alarms. It can be disruptive and and feel worrisome. So I want to just, A, normalize experience right now. And I also don't want to make any assumptions. So I'm going to speak to what's kind of hard, harder for people and give tools and ways of working with those. But I also don't want to assume that there aren't people in this room that are really smooth sailing. Okay, and if you are, that's good, and that might change, (laughs) so be prepared for that. And if you aren't, that might change too, most likely, it will. So first, just even with your eyes open, allowing yourself to re-remember this form Just see if you can just allow yourself to allow all the attention to just settle down. It's almost like below the neck and feeling the heaviness of your body. The elements of air, water, solidity. Just what does warm feel like? Just allowing yourself to feel those sensations. Maybe it's a pulsing on the skin. And also a recognition of any pains and aches that might be there. So I want to talk about a few ways to meet 
and work with pain in our practice. I know I'm talking slow, like this is actually instructions, but I'm also giving a little talk right now, so it's a little dual thing happening at the same time. So eyes open or closed is fine, but know that I am going to be talking a bit right now. So pain in the bodies. Some sensations of pain can be very, very intense and insistent and feel like that's all there is. And then we can have those arising and passing pains that come throughout the day. But knowing that having pain is, is a given. That um, if we're under any kind of assumption that we're going to make it through this life without it, it's a bit of a setup. Of a setup for disappointment. There are some antidotes to work with pain, antidotes to work with discomforts during our practice. But knowing too that those those are tools and they don't make our humanity go away. So sleepiness will still arise, pain will still arise. Restlessness will still arise, and we can work with it in different ways. But a lot of what we're looking at here in this mindfulness practice is how close are we willing to get to our humanity, to the truth of our existence, to the truth of conditions, to the truth of living and being born in human form. And that's part of why this is such a radical practice, really. Such a courageous practice, is we spend a lot of time not doing that. So here you sit actually saying, yes, I'm I'm willing to meet you. I'm willing to let you be known to me. I'm willing to see you. There's a deep intimacy in knowing our pain and knowing what's hard. And so today I'm just going to talk about physical pain and different and mostly sleepiness and restlessness. And as the days unfold, we'll talk more about emotional discomfort, mental discomfort. But a first tool to dealing with any physical pain that you might have in your body is this idea of knowing it. The tendency to run or medicate or remove it somehow, this aversion that we typically have, um, as we know, doesn't always work. But this radical idea of what does my pain actually feel like? So if you do have something in particular right now that's causing pain, does it have a color? Does it have a texture? Is it throbbing or stabbing? Seeing how interested you can get in the quality of the sensations without the story without the conceptual overlay of what that pain is or isn't or how it got there or the if only I wish I didn't. What are the sensations of this pain that you may have been living with for a very long time? There's also a very interesting way of working with pain when we go into the visual of what that pain looks like. So taking it out of the textual, but maybe it has lines or again a color. When we bring it up into the mind and pulling it out of the body, 
into the visual mind, not the conceptual mind. It can often help to ease. (coughs) Watching how when we add a version or a story to the pain, when we add the mental overlay, the pain takes on a much more personal quality. So that's one way of working with the pain, knowing it experiencing it as sensation. Another way of working with pain is a resourcing way. So whatever is really in your way, seeing if you can find something in your experience right now that isn't bothering you. So let's say you're having a really intense pain in your knee. Seeing if you can move your attention So we're not bypassing or distracting, but move your attention to something that is in your experience also, but that feels okay in your body right now. So maybe your hands are feeling quite neutral or fine. So just allowing yourself to shift your attention to something that feels feels good or okay in your body. And again, this may not make the pain go away, especially if it's a chronic pain, but allows your mental nervous system a break, shifting awareness. And then the other quality that you can use is kindness. So our typical tendency to dislike, even hate our pain, how we can victimize ourselves around it and really build an identity around some chronic pains that we might have. Since a lot of us in this room have often felt rejected by our bodies in society around our bodies in society. What's it like for us to actually be kind and caring towards our bodies even when they're not in a state that we'd like for them to be? Even when we're in pain and discomfort. So we can either meet the pain with curiosity and interest. We can resource and move our attention to some other part of our experience. Or we can send kindness and care. And then the other thing that might be really up for people right now, especially with my voice sounding like it does in the afternoon (laughs) in the heat, you might be feeling sleepy. Really looking at it the same way, what does sleepiness feel like in the body? We are habitually trained to, when we close our eyes, typically in our lives, that means we are going to sleep. So here we're asking our whole systems to do something to close their eyes and stay awake. It's very natural to feel a sleepiness. And 
And if you're feeling the opposite of more of a restlessness when you close your eyes, because maybe you're not sleepy, that too very natural. And those insomniacs will know that trying to close your eyes while the mind is busy is even more frustrating. So what's the experience like to close your eyes and have a very busy mind? Again, just first the recognition of what's so. Meeting whatever the experience is and knowing it's okay. It's okay to be restless. It's okay to be sleepy. We're not doing it wrong if that's the case. So we referred to some of these earlier today, but some helpful tools is using the sense world to help you with your sleepiness or your restlessness. So just lightly opening your eyes and taking in that sense. Allowing the light in, creating a little more energy. Also using the sense world of touch. Ajahn Sachito recommends touching fingertips. And just sitting in that posture of your fingertips touching and staying with that can help energize your practice a little bit. You can do the same with sounds. Another way to work with it is really to pay attention to your aversion to the sleepiness or the restlessness or the doubt. Whatever experiences that you're having that are hindering your ability to stay present. And every time you see yourself disliking it, just recognizing that and then allowing yourself to come back to original experience. Oh, this is what sleepy feels like. Right now it's like this. And then the final suggestion would be standing which as we practiced earlier, it's using awareness to stand. It's totally okay to stand in the hall. Letting yourself feel the ground under your feet, a little more energy that it takes to stand. And as you sit here, seeing what level of acceptance and understanding, when we know what's normal, when we know what's true, when we know what's just part of our human experience, allowing ourselves to be the witness to the arising doing what we need to meet it or to help facilitate our knowing.
And let's see what today brings. Still using the anchor of breath, breathing, and your body. Still allowing your mind to stabilize and collect. But when distractions come and try to pull you out, know that you have these tools. Just checking in over and over again. Keeping it very simple. Letting one thing be what holds you here, what helps you stay.
Now we're going to take some time for any questions you might have about what we've thrown at you so far. Thank you. So his question was that um, we've been talking about this possibility of the end of suffering and that he's very aware that there might be two two levels that we're working on. Um, This ultimate level of the possibility for true freedom forever, right? That idea. And then the more relative, real, everyday experience of being in a human body and emotions and society and wars and all that we experience. I'm, I'm ex, you know, like expanding upon that, but <laughs> this is one of my favorite topics right now. And I like to talk about it a lot um, because I think it's really important to pay attention to both. And it's true when we look at the teachings of the Buddha, for sure that dude was talking about the ultimate end of suffering. Um, and I, sitting up here as this teacher, do have the faith that if I were to follow exactly this path that he has laid out, that that would be possible. Now here we are, right? We are lay, we are lay practitioners on a path that, for the most part, in its sort of um, beginning existence, was really a monastic tradition for quite a long time, really not until the late 1800s, early 1900s, did it really become as much of a lay tradition as it is now. So here we are in these very um, desirous and, you know, attached bodies and lives and minds and doing the best that we can. And so I can only speak for how I hold this, and I'm happy to hear if Anishka or Bonnie or Vance have anything to say, but really living in the truth of both, living in the paradox, and doing the best that I can. And for me, like I was talking about the precepts yesterday, living as harmlessly as I can and making my um, footprint that's what I can do. I can also be an activist for others and, and help to speak in ways that I feel is important and towards change of suffering for all beings, which is sort of the bodhisattva's vow also. Right? Um, but it's, it's, a, it's a good reflection is what I can offer right now. It's a good reflection. It's a good thing to hold knowing that there are, it's a both and and um, I see Anishka picking up her microphone. So there's, there's an and, 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 and. <laughs> Thank you. It's a great question. Yeah. And another version of that question, or maybe the same question that might occur to you, is like, what is the relationship between struggling with your sleepiness and being free of all suffering? Or, um, you know, if you're sitting here um, in one position and then you have some... Uh, like pain in your foot or your knee, like why are you suggesting to me that I shouldn't just wriggle around and move until I'm comfortable again? Like what's the relationship between sitting still and breathing in a room full of people and this lofty idea of freedom from suffering? And it's a, it's a very worthy question and one that comes up um, 
particularly as you are suffering and <laughs> uh, in some way or another. And one of my colleagues says, that when the first retreat he went on, uh, like we gave this instruction to stay with the breath, you know, they were saying, stay with the breath right there. And he was saying, like, oh, I'm, I was so surprised that the way to be free from suffering was this square inch above my upper lip. Like, <laughs> I didn't understand that that was supposed to be what you're, you know, where the exit door was, really. But uh, then he said, well, I just did what they said. And then actually I learned a lot. So partly the, the very poignant um, thing is that the way to be free from suffering is really to understand suffering very deeply. Yeah. So the way out is in and through. And so then we actually have to uh, really know suffering of the physical body, uh, of the mind, uh, very deeply. And we notice the ways in which we want to wriggle away from it, you know, very habitually and understandably uh, all the time. But it's really through uh, observing, understanding, becoming intimate with uh, the construction of suffering itself, even in seemingly mundane things like an insect landing on my arm and I don't want it to be there, or falling asleep uh, during a meditation sitting, or pain in the back, or any of this stuff, or a sneeze even, or something, you know. The most mundane of things that's possible to have um, a lot of insight into the way that suffering gets constructed and created, uh, and therefore also to be able to see, uh, to have insight into the way through. And this kind of insight that we're throwing around in this is related to this different way of knowing. So it's not even necessarily on an intellectual level, like I need to figure it out with my mind. Um, we're using words here and um, maybe something else too. Um, but sometimes that understanding comes through words and sometimes you get it on some other um, level too. Uh, so it does require like a little bit of faith. You know, we're trying to like wrap words around to give you encouragement to keep uh, going in some ways uh, that you might not otherwise do so. Um, there's another um, way of thinking about it too is even when we sit for some short period of time, it actually reveals uh, suffering. Like it re- reveals this thing called dukkha, which I think uh, Bonnie will maybe talk about uh, also this evening more. This way in which there is this uh, difficulty, strain, stress, um, unreliability in the things that we usually try to rely on for well-being. And so this is kind of like a little lab to see that, even when you're sitting here for 45 minutes. Um, and yeah, in this, in this lab, there's, there's so much that can be um, seen that usually we spend our time distracting ourselves from, so we don't uh, allow ourselves to uh, become acquainted with that in some way or and the more that we're able to see that and know that in our own experience also, the more we can um, be with others who are suffering also. You know, we don't need to squirm away when someone else is suffering as well. Um, so I think they're very tied together, kind of the mundane and the, and the uh, transcendent in this surprising way um, that hopefully is convincing you to like, try it more. <laughs> So what do you what do you think? How are you feeling in that moment of experience? I I really want to just stare at the trees and 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, so so her question was, she notices during her walking practice that she's really enjoying sights of the trees and the leaves, and she's wondering if that's okay. And then, and then in response to my question, she she's noticing it, it, there's distraction in it, right, an attachment. Um, so so again, I'm I, I I don't know that this calls for an answer from teacher, you know, I think it's a really interesting reflection for you and for us and how our practice unfolds as the days go on. We start to notice where we distract. We start to notice where we're not paying attention and where we check out. And so I'd encourage you to really, really play with that and watch and see if maybe you can do a little more disciplining. I I love the, the sit, stay, um, analogy that Anushka used this morning with the dogs. You know, it's like it, we get so like, whoo, whoo, bone, a squirrel, you know, just like, and we know that if anybody that's had a puppy, if your puppy like pees and pisses and tears up your furniture and, you know, it's like if it's, if it's just relentless, it's not as fun to have that puppy, right? And those puppies end up in the pound. But the puppies that are really fun to have are the ones that heal (laughs) and ask us, you know, and know how to just be with us. And they become our best companion. And so we're sort of, we're asking the mind to do that same thing. We're asking the mind to sit and stay with us and to not need to go out and chase after something for pleasure. I mean, that's our, that's our animal instinct, right? That's our habituation. It's our conditioning. Pleasure, good, displeasure bad so of course we want to entertain ourselves with the beautiful palette of this you know art gallery that we have around us and so really you know keep asking yourself the question am I here work with reconnecting to maybe breath breathing or feet one more time recommit over and over again because seeing there's nothing wrong with seeing Right? Seeing is one of the sense doors, and seeing is, is fine. It's when we're reaching out of that seeing for distraction that we want to pay attention here. Thank you. Anybody else? Yes. Um, earlier you mentioned like hypervigilance, like when we're just like so aware of everything, like how we feel safe and brave in the world. And I was wondering, I am very reluctant this time around to do walking meditation because mm-hmm. I wanted to lighten the trees because that's where I feel more safe. And so I'm just curious, like I'm more inclined to go and lay in my room because that's where I can kind of like let go and calm down. And I just, would you say, should I press up against? my resistance to walking and try it anyway or should I just like do what my body says which is go chill out mm-hmm. so her question or uh, the statement first was that she's noticing a hypervigilance in her practice today and feeling maybe less safe when she's out walking doing walking practice and feeling safer in her room and chilling out and Wondering if she should push up against that feeling of discomfort um, or listen to it. <laughs> Again, I would want to just ask you the question. Um, I don't want you to avoid the practice. Uh, you know, I, I, do, you, do you have a thought on, on this? I feel like I want to give guidance, and I don't know if that's what's called for right now. Do you... Um, have any sense, either of you? Give guidance. Okay. <laughs> Do the walking. <laughs> you know, maybe, maybe try walking inside. We do have the inside walking halls. And if, and if, in, if indoor space is feeling more comfortable, then um, I'm going to encourage you to, to do the walking practice. And... Uh, 
instead of what our typical tendency is to do is, you know, we're so used to, and the society is just so hooked on it feeling good. You know, everything has to feel right and good and happy and over here all the time. And the second we are living in any kind of realm of anything else, it's not okay. And so the encouragement to allow, it'll be interesting to see what arises around this because sometimes us pushing up against something and not being willing to see it will keep us in this turmoil. And sometimes, you know, sometimes it's just a stuffed animal uh, under the bed and not a monster. And so it'd be interesting to just take just one step at a time, one step at a time. Doing that up in one of the safety of one of the halls and, and see what arises. Thank you. Yes, please. Mm-hmm. It's, very, it's interesting. There's many different places to walk here. And having been on retreat here myself a lot of uh, times, um, like each place feels very different too. Um, I mean, both oneself oneself, yourself, feels different at different times, both of the day and during different days and uh, morning, afternoon, evening. And then also the spaces feel different and they are different, like temperature-wise and how many people are there and spaciousness and all this stuff. So um, yeah, maybe like a, a gentle exploration of that in some ways. Like if you feel like, oh, I don't want to walk in the big courtyard with all these people then that's okay. But then it's like, oh, what if I walked like alone in a quiet place? You know, or um, like, how does it feel to feel more, even in the, actually the hallways of the dorm, if that feels like inside, but you know, you could walk, do walking practice there. Um, Or, you know, there's one walking path or a couple of ones that are like on the kind of ridge of the hill. And um, so it can be interesting to play with that a little bit, like try different spaces and feel what it feels like differently in those. Um, and, and to the sort of, you know, enjoyment of nature, you know, versus sort of the training your attention kind of thing. I think particularly in the beginning of practice, we are a little bit like, um, kind of like sharpening the pencil or something, you know, of, of like, okay, can we collect the attention? Um, so it's, it's totally nice to enjoy nature and be present in the enjoyment of nature. And one of the things that's beautiful about being in retreat as we start to settle in is that the senses become heightened. And even very simple things can be very beautiful, like a cup of tea can, uh, can be experienced or like oatmeal that usually you would be like, oh, this is like nothing. But suddenly it's like, wow, this is amazing. You know? um, so that's great. And it's good to experience that and to know that. Um, but also, if you wanted to be present in your body continuously for even one minute, could you do that? Could you do that, right? It, would it be possible to do that? And for most people, the answer is actually um, no. For most people, they don't know that the answer is no because they haven't actually tried it. <laughs> but once you actually try it, even for one length or one minute, you know, to try to um, be connected to the experience of the body, to be embodied, to be an embodied human being for that time, uh, it's shockingly like not possible to do. So from that, we learn all kinds of things, including that uh, the attention itself is kind of moving on its own in some ways. So there can be something revealed from that too about uh, something we say like anatta, like selflessness of experience arising. Um, but it's helpful to sharpen the pencil. Like It's sort of like the the development of that collectedness allows us to see with more um, detail, like in some ways, like sort of like more um, pixels on the screen <laughs> that both can contribute even to our enjoyment of the sense experiences, but also of having insight into this truth of how things are, like in a more detailed way. Um, so that's kind of the, the flip side of like, it's, it's totally good to be very present and enjoy, but also uh, there's something beneficial about the, kind of loyalty to one's um, body in some ways, like the, the coming back, the coming back, the coming back. It doesn't mean a hating or turning away from the external, but uh, sort of that, that continued loyalty or devotion um, can also be beautiful too. Yeah. Time to walk. 
friends. So if you are experiencing sleepiness when you're sitting, you know, watching the energy and how it can change when you're walking, and you don't have to walk slow. You know, if you're feeling a a low energy, walking fast is really okay, walking back and forth. And sometimes the opposite, if you're really restless, allowing yourself to slow down and walk a little more slowly. And changing, you know, changing your view and your position and your um, location. But do walk. Do walk. Actually, in case I didn't explain that one with the difference of view well enough, um, once you pick a place, like, stay there. Says your your idea, like your mind might be like, no, nah, it's better up top. No, nah, it's better in the bottom. But yeah, yeah, yeah. In <laughs> for a, a given period, period like yeah. once you have committed, stay with it. Even if your uh, fear of missing out mind is like, oh, I should have gone <laughs> to the woods. Yeah. <laughs> Do that next time. <laughs> Drink lots of water today too, you guys. Thank you. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.